I get upset about things. I get challenged. But the moment that I go back to that perspective, the moment that I remember to reframe, and I can usually get there pretty, pretty quick. I just reset like, man, this is nothing. This is nothing compared to how my mother led my brother and I before she passed away 11 days before my eighth birthday to come to the dinner table with an IV stand to ask me how my day was at school. Welcome back to Spartan Leadership. I'm your host, Josh Kosnick, and I hope you're buckled in today. Uh, we got a good friend of mine and just an amazing human being, speaker, author, best-selling author, let me say, performance coach, and most recently, the mental conditioning coach for the 18-time national champion, Alabama Crimson Tide, but not just the Crimson Tide, and we're going to talk a little bit about this because I want to get his perspective. Also, Michigan State Spartans, also Kansas State Wildcats, and I'm probably missing a bunch else, but he's working with NFL players, UFC fighters, collegiate programs, business leaders, CEOs, all you name it, Ben is doing it right now. He moves his clients to think bigger on an emotional level, to drive habits that lead to growth. So Ben Newman, my good friend, brother, welcome to the show. Josh, it is uh, awesome to be with you. Great to be on the show. So many great memories of almost 20 years of knowing each other. And so this is going to be fun to cut this loose with you. And I'm glad we can be friends most days of the year. People have to understand Wisconsin, Michigan State basketball. We can't really be friends. Michigan State, when they play Wisconsin football a couple weeks, can't be friends on that day. Now, after the game, we can be friends. But, you know, yeah. just those, those several hours, we get to those compete against hours. each other. <laughs> and hey, and that's that's what it's all about. We don't compete on the gridiron anymore. We don't compete on the basketball. Our, our bones don't uh, allow it so much anymore at our age and our forties. But uh, but we get to chop it up like the rest of the country, uh, giving each other crap uh, between between games. And hopefully the Badgers come out on the right side. Although that drubbing to Ohio State we just took didn't look so good. So anyhow, <laughs> brother. Hey, uh, on that note, I was actually thinking about this before we kick into some of the heady stuff. I always, you know, just knowing you and as you continue to evolve your coaching with, uh, it started with uh, North Dakota State and you had several national championships that you helped them get to. And obviously it's Coach Kleiman, right? Correct. That went to Kansas State and now you're helping him still at Kansas State. What happens if Kansas State and Michigan State, or God forbid, one of those teams faces Alabama in the national championship? You're coaching three high-level programs. What do you do? Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a tough situation. Um, you know, I, I've thought about it many, many times, and you just have to hope that it that it does not happen. Uh, from an ethical standpoint, you know, I, I think it would be a very tough conversation that you end up having with the coaches to where you decide to either be present at the game in support of great competition, and I'm not on a sideline. Or, you know, I just respectfully stay home. <laughs> you know, it's, it's kind of like my work in the NFL. I was down in Miami for the opener, uh, New England versus the Miami Dolphins. And I've worked for the Dolphins organization for the last six years. I work with individual players because of all of that work. Plus, I work with so many of the Patriots players. So I literally wore a black T-shirt and I sat on my hands the whole game. So, you know, sometimes it's just it's in this career. It's just it's just what you have to do. I was thinking maybe it could be like uh, the Watt family, uh, mom and dad, 
you know, if uh, the Steelers just and, the, uh, <laughs> the Cardinals like the half and half jerseys, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love That's it. Good. All right, man. So let's talk a little bit about the Michigan State relationship that just started. Uh, Mel Tucker had a relationship with the Badgers as well many years ago. Uh, but tell me something about excitement that you're feeling in the new beginning with that high potential team. Obviously, we'll get into some of the Saban stuff and uh, obviously such an immense, immensely Hall of Fame coach and just person. But I, I, I know you're really excited about the new relationship with Michigan State because it's your alma mater. And obviously they're an up and coming team and there's got to be so much connection with you having had to go to not had to got the opportunity to go to school there graduate from there and now you're back on your home turf helping uh, a really elite program go to the next level. You know, it, it's a very surreal feeling. I was there last week with the basketball program and football program. I'll, I'll start with basketball. I'm at practice. And practice ends and coach Izzo comes over and I'm like, coach, I'm like, your intensity has not changed in 25 years. And it even gives me goosebumps saying it because I remember my freshman year at Michigan State was the first year they won the Big Ten in basketball. I remember storming the court because, I mean, they really hadn't had that kind of success in a long time. I remember hugging coach Izzo. He didn't know who I was, right? Some crazy student. Everybody's trying to grab the players and the coaches. And here we are 25 years later, you know, I get opportunities to speak to the team and make videos and to keep them hype and keep them locked in. It, it, it's very surreal. It's incredible to be around a legend like that. It's, you know, a guy like Coach Izzo doesn't mean much for me. It's, uh, you know, more just little, little sparks that I can provide or be there for the players. And then it's the same with Coach Tucker. I mean, he's got a 26-year track record of coaching. You know, he played at Wisconsin and then he's gone on. He's won national championships with Ohio State, uh, you know, national championships at Alabama, competed for another national championship at Georgia. So it's there's so much that I learn from being around coaches like this, just like when we spent time together. You know, we, we've been able to, you brought me in for events and, you know, the times where I'm staying at your house and we're spending time or you're you're in the car. I mean, there's just, there's so many things that happen when you're around great leaders. And that's, that's why I love, you know, like you taking the step of getting a podcast with all your relationships, because we can teach each other so much. It's not me being brought in. Let me just tell you what I know. It's always an iron sharpens iron relationship because it's Michigan state. Now it, it is pretty special since it's my alma mater. That's awesome. So of those three coaches, I know there's probably infinite lessons that you've learned from them, but let's talk about Tucker, Saban, Kleiman. What have been a, a major lesson that each of them have instilled in you that you've learned from them that you've been able to apply uh, to not only your own life, but all those that you're influencing nation and worldwide? Well, in, in the, the latest book, Uncommon Leadership, and you know, you, you mentioned that book, that became a number one Wall Street Journal bestseller. So you just write enough books over time and one of them has to sell <laughs> a lot of copies. And so in that book, I honored 11 leaders that had had a significant impact on my life. And so two of those leaders, because the relationship has been much longer, eight years with Coach Kleiman, five years at Alabama with Coach Saban, they have their own chapters in the book. And Coach Saban's is all around how the way you do one thing is the way you do everything. And he just teaches such a high level of discipline. You know, if you show up sloppy in one area of your life, it's going to show up somewhere else in your life. And so it's become a teaching principle for me that, you know, be disciplined personally, be disciplined professionally, be disciplined in how you serve and give to others, which the world needs right now. 
Coach Kleiman, his chapter is all about finding your edge in the details. The way that that man slows down and methodically teaches and coaches and cares about his players is extraordinary. You know, it was a blessing to win multiple national championships at North Dakota State, but now we're doing big things at Kansas State. I mean, we just knocked off Oklahoma at Oklahoma yeah. last Saturday night. You know, you talk about there's a hundred of us running out in purple against 85,000 crazy fans. I mean, that's all there is going on in Oklahoma is Oklahoma football. And so, you know, things like that are a rush, but you see that it, these aren't things that great coaches just say. It's a principle of how we beat Oklahoma, you know, encouraging these players to find that edge. And with coach Tucker, I just, I, I admire his relentless nature in everything from breaking down film to putting together coaching plans, but also his relentless nature and his relationships. My first visit up there back in the summertime as we were kicking off this relationship and building the mental conditioning for success program. I remember he's like, come on, let's go for a walk. And you know, the guys are practicing and Josh, he's literally going to each group. He knew where everybody was from. He's telling me about their parents. He's telling me about their siblings. I'm like, how do you know this? <laughs> this isn't a basketball team with 14 people. Like this is a hundred men. Yeah. And he knew all of these things because he cares that much. And I think that's what you find in unique leaders is that you learn these powerful lessons that make us better. Yeah. <laughs> You've talked about some of the joyous moments like Kansas state knocking off Oklahoma last week. But I know I've heard you tell stories about some of the low moments as well. And I remember you, and I'm probably going to butcher this story a little bit, but I know you'll know where I'm going with it. Um, early on in your work with Coach Kleiman, you'd be on the sidelines and someone would mess up. Let's say they muffed a punt or whatever it might be, and he'd point and you'd go handle the mental conditioning of that player. After that, you knew your job. He didn't have to point. You'd go and do your job. Yeah. Uh, tell us about some of those low moments and the conversations that you're having with them to reframe what their <laughs> thought process is in that moment. Cause I know you're doing that for all sorts of athletes and that works the exact same on the football field as it does in life. So I want people to know what your words are and those advice in those moments. So, so let me be, let me be a little long, long winded in this to tell a great story. And this is just so we can have, just an awesome memory for our dear friend, Jordan Montgomery. He cannot stand <laughs> when I tell, when I tell this story. So one of my favorite stories was we are competing uh, at North Dakota state to win championships every single year. And that's where that was the first real, I had done talks for college football teams, but I was never like on the sideline in the locker room, like the performance coach, the mental conditioning coach. And so the first year we win the national championship. And I remember it was the semifinals and in the semifinals, our kicker was kind of having a, a rough day and we come into the locker room and coach turns around and he looks at me and he goes, go handle it. And I was like, Whoa, so you kind of go and I take the specialist. I mean, we were beating the heck out of Richmond in the semifinals on ESPN, but literally the specialists, I mean, they had missed an extra point, uh, muffed a, a snap on an extra point. I mean, it was t missed a field goal. It was awful. And he goes, you go straighten it out. So I grabbed the, the uh, long snapper. I grabbed the punter. I grabbed the kicker. And at the time, Cam was a freshman. And I look, Cam, I look at Cam, and Cam's more of a relaxed individual. And, and this, this story, I'm going to tell it a little longer because it's got some great lessons for all of us as leaders. I think we have to identify the way to speak 
to the individuals that you lead because everybody's different. I've got some players who it's like they want the heat. Like when I leave some of my NFL guys a pregame voicemail, like you better bring some fire on that voicemail or don't bother leaving me a message. And then there's some kids where you have to recognize or individuals that you lead, you can't speak to them that way. It's more of a calmer voice. Mm -hmm. It's identifying what locks them in. And Cam kind of had this laid back personality, kind of like a surfer dude. And I looked at him and I'm like, Cam, man, just breathe. I said, go have some fun, babe. Just go swing that thing and go have some fun. And he smiled from ear to ear. I mean, this huge smile. The kid was then perfect in the second half of that game, as well as in the national championship. And we went on to win the national championship and he had some big kicks the next year. Okay. So remember I identified the moment I say to him, man, just go have some fun, babe. The kids smiled. You could see him breathe and relax. So I, I now knew how to speak to him mm -hmm. the next year we're playing at Iowa. So here you go, Jordan Montgomery, a little memory for you. And I have a ring that actually commemorates it back there. Is that we did not win the national championship that year at North Dakota State. We won the conference championships so on the side of that ring. It actually shows this Iowa score. Maybe, maybe we'll actually pull that out here and have some fun and uh, show it for Jordan Montgomery. But so if we go to Iowa, we're 24 point underdogs. This is like an Appalachian state type scenario. Iowa's number 10 in the country. I don't think they'd lost in two years at home. They're coming off a plane in the Rose Bowl. We're 24 point underdogs. We battle them the entire time. As I mentioned earlier, coach Kleiman locks kids in to compete. It's extraordinary. And it comes down to the end of the game. There was uh, we punt to Iowa. The moment we punt the ball to Iowa before they even snap, there's about two and a half minutes left in the game. Coach Kleiman comes over to me and he says, go prep cam for the game winner. I mean, they, they could have, you know, they could have gotten a first down and won the game, but like he knew we're winning this football game, go prep cam for the game winner. So I run down, I get right on cam's helmet, one hand on each helmet. And what do you think I said? Hey, cam, go have some fun, babe. And the kids smile real big. I knew he was loose. I walked away. I went down. I smacked Coach Kleiman on his ass. And I said, he's ready. And sure enough, the kid went in and one smooth swing. It was a 37-yard field goal with no time left on the clock. And we knocked off Iowa. I mean, it's one of the, I'd say, it's probably top 10 biggest upsets in the history of college football. And you just you learn over time that when when somebody when there's something that works keep doing it i mean the number of times i said that to that kid in his career in college it was always the same thing because it worked and so i encourage you as leaders slow down you don't coach everybody the same way understand and learn what's an individual's burn what's in their heart what's their fire how do you speak to them so that they can be relaxed when it's time to perform that's so Hold good. on, I'm getting I'm getting this ring from Montgomery. <laughs> He's gonna love this because much like Iowa or much like Oklahoma, Iowa football is life. And uh, as a Badger fan over here that uh, competes against Iowa very frequently as one of our chief rivals, uh, we were a little bit joyous in that victory with you guys as well. Yeah. So here we go. Uh, it's got the Iowa game on it. It's got the Iowa game 20, 23 to 21. So Jordan Montgomery, that's for you, brother. <laughs> that's great. Now, uh, Ken, on your point, uh, about six years ago, you were up here with me and we did a workout. You weren't in as good a shape as you are today. And we'll get to your unrequired workouts today as well. 
So I took you to my gym and, uh, and we had a killer workout. And there was a trainer there that was yelling at you and yelling at you and yelling at you. And you pulled her aside and said, hey, that doesn't work for me. What I want to key on for most leaders is most of your employees, most of the people you lead aren't going to be like Ben and tell you that, hey, that doesn't work for me. They're well, so fear for their job or whatever it might be. They're not going to speak up. You did. Well, so there, there, there's a lot to that story. Number one, I mean, I remember driving with you in the car to the workout. I remember your just talking about your passion for being a former athlete the way that you were and like the way that you kept yourself in shape, like just how intense, like your mindset shifted. Like, it's like, we're going from the office, we're going to get this workout. And it was like, I mean, you got your headband on. It was like, holy cow, Cosmic's <laughs> going to work. And it was a switch that you flipped that I thought was so powerful. And I remember that moment because I was like, man, I'm working out, but I can give more. And you and I had so many conversations around health and performance and peak performance. And we talked about how you have to be an example for the individuals that you lead and everything that you do. And, and that conversation is a huge part of what kind of flipped that switch for me. And I haven't turned it off since to just keep pressing, even though we're getting old now, that we can still remain young and healthy and fit. And then to the other point that you mentioned, I think I had mentioned to you, like, you think I can say something to her? Cause you know, I didn't have a relationship with her, yeah. but I was like, man, I care enough about coaching that like watching her run around and just scream and yell at people. I'm like, Hey, those two people over there, maybe don't like it. Maybe this guy likes it, but everybody's wired different. And she loved the fact that I shared it with her. At least she said she did. Yeah. Um, but I, I think for all of us, you have to choose to be courageous in the moment oftentimes. Yeah. Well, I got to pay it forward to you because a year before that, I wasn't in that mode. And so I'm glad that I got had an impact on you because the, the trip with that jersey behind you at Jerry Rice, when I was in Las Vegas at one of your boot camps, that changed my life. And I've never been able to share this with you because I had just been main managing partner about four months before that. I was about to take over. That was October of uh, 16, I want to say. October of 16. Uh, November 1st was my official date. And I remember sitting with Ben, Tyron Woodley, Jerry Rice, Navy SEAL, all these super fit people in the pool. And I made a self-deprecating joke. I said, this is a body and kind of shell of what used to be a high-level athlete. <laughs> and I remember that not identifying with that statement. I said it, but I didn't identify with it. That wasn't who I was. And it sat with me and you had us do an exercise, a vision exercise. And I didn't take it business-wise. It was my best future self and I still had this written somewhere. But I said that my why for getting back into peak physical shape was I had three little girls to walk down the aisle someday. And God willing, I was going to do everything in my power to, I can't control a car accident, I can't control anything else, but I can control health to the best of my ability. And I was going to take the bull by the horns on that because everything else in my life was peak and that wasn't. So I needed to move that up to peak. So I want to thank you for that. And I'm glad that I was able to pay it forward for you as well. Well, I'm just glad because I, I always felt a guy that was as, as uh, successful as you. I'm like, I got to get, get a guy like Jerry Rice to get Kosnick out to one of these boot camps <laughs> as much as you love football. And so to hear that that, uh, that was the result of you coming is, is really, really powerful. And I, and I think that's for all of us. You know, one of the things, you know, 
it always seems like you and I catch up right where we left off when we get to see each other. And I know we'll be in person at an event at Ed Milet's house here in a couple of weeks, which I really look forward to. And it's the same thing. We always pick right up. But it's because it's your commitment to getting better, right? It's reading, it's working out, it's pouring into the growth of your business and teaching and leading others. And I look, that's, those are the people I love being around, right? I don't believe in complacency. I don't believe in not using what God gave you. And so it's always motivating for me to spend time with individuals who show up in life and they're actually attacking life, not waiting for life to come to them. We well, picked well, brother, because that was my idol growing up in football. So I wasn't going to miss that one. An opportunity. <laughs> so let's switch gears a little bit because I know how much uh, your mother has played a role in your life and everything you do and the legacy that you paid for. And you've not only written about this in all of your books, I'm pretty sure she does not go unmentioned in any talk that you give. So tell me about the transition. So Ben didn't mention this and we've alluded to it, but Ben and I started in the financial world together. And way back when, well before, as I was transitioning into the leadership path, you made a hard pivot from being a top level financial advisor into just complete left turn and I'm gonna go coach and speak and change the <laughs> So talk about that transition because at the time for me, someone seeing as, as on top of the game as, as you were in the financial world, to just boop, give that up and go, that was pretty amazing. Well, I, I appreciate that. You know, I, I think for all of us, we only live once and you face challenge, you face adversity, and you have to take that adversity and challenge head on, no matter what it is, and you have to keep fighting. Sometimes you got to bite down on that mouthpiece a little extra hard, but you got to keep throwing those punches and stay in the fight. And for me, that's always been my life. I mean, my parents were divorced at six months old, never knew my parents together. Several years later, my mom, a single mom teacher fighting to make ends meet, is diagnosed with a rare muscle disease called amyloidosis. For those of you that don't know what amyloidosis is, we all have amyloids in our muscles. If you have an excess of amyloids, it eats away at your muscles and you die. And my mother was told she was only the second woman under 40 years old they'd ever seen or heard of having amyloidosis. They gave her two to four years to live. And I mean, I could go on and on sharing stories about my mom and her passion and her conviction for life. But, you know, each and every single one of us, we all have a story. And I've always believed that you have to use your story to find your strength, even when it's hard to shift your perspective. So watching my mom come to the dinner table with an IV stand when we had 24 hour nursing care in the house to ask me how my day was at school. Brother, it's hard for me to have a bad day. Now, I, I get upset about things. I get challenged. But the moment that I go back to that perspective, the moment that I remember to reframe, and I can usually get there pretty, pretty quick, I just reset like, man, this is nothing. This is nothing compared to how my mother led my brother and I before she passed away 11 days before my eighth birthday to come to the dinner table with an IV stand to ask me how my day was at school. And so I, I just, I think for all of us, you have to find that strength. And for me, that strength has caused me to just want to continue to write her story every day. And, you know, to some people, when I left being a very, very high performer in the financial services business, people thought I was crazy, but I was like, man, my mom passed at 38 years old. So I'm 43 now, almost 44. So by the time I get to 44, I've been given six extra years, one day at a time on this earth that my mother never got. I'm not going to waste my time doing something that I wasn't meant to do. 
And I love being an advisor. Now I get to coach advisors. So I always share, I'm like, man, I, I sell way more premium and bring in way more assets than I ever did as one guy. <laughs> and I think that that's the benefit of doing what you're destined to do. You don't necessarily completely lose something that you were passionate. I love planning. I love helping. And so I still get to do that through others, but I just believed. And it was the courage that I learned from my mom that like, you've got a dream, you better go chase it because you only have so many days on this earth. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I, I had a coaching call with someone, actually it was a group of people that this reminds me of because they said, well, I'm going to start uh, 75 hard in January. And I said, <laughs> I, I stay quiet, I stay quiet. And then, then someone else said, yeah, I'm going to start this, uh, I can't remember what the commitment was, but uh, it was a business commitment come October 1st. And after that second person said, I go, guys, who promised you tomorrow? Who promised you tomorrow? Why are we waiting? What, what are we waiting on? And then your perspective there is just so good. So well, well, I mean, if you really think about it, I think this is important. I share this with individuals all the time, whether it's goal setting. And look, we all have fears, doubts, and uncertainties. I still have two coaches. Right. So I'm far from figuring this thing out. I got two coaches. I read books every day. Plus, I have mentors. I mean, we're always growing. But we have to remember what you say, what comes out of your mouth is actually what goes back into your ears. And that's what drives your behaviors. So somebody who says, oh, I'll wait until January. Oh, I'll wait until October. You're telling yourself it's OK to wait for everything. Right. Yeah. So it's it's not important enough to you. So I'm going to wait. Oh, I want to get in shape. I want to do 75 hard. I, I want the level of awareness that comes with it. it. It is so much more of a mental toughness program than it has anything to do with the physical shape that you get into. So you're going to wait until January to do that. Like start now. That's the benefit. Embrace the challenge that comes with that sort of a program rather than living the way that you always have, which is to delay. And oftentimes when you get to January 1st, you don't start the action. Yeah, and I would say to check out Ben's Unrequired program as well. So a quick story, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm sitting with your buddy Josh K. Yep. in St. Louis, who is, uh, this is, goes to accountability partners and having strong people in your life. <clears throat> so the Unrequired program, Ben has done 75 hard in all the phases, and he did his Unrequired program on top of all those. So Ben does his normal workouts every day and the Unrequired every single day, and we're at 1,100 and how many days now straight? 1189 this morning 1189 so i'm sitting with his buddy josh who's also on this streak with ben they started <laughs> this together we're having lunch he brings his lunch in we're at first form in st louis by the way which they had healthy great lunch josh brings in his own lunch uh because he's on this regiment with ben they're holding each other accountable so much i go so what's what's the end game when are you going to do this he goes looks at me dead eye he goes one more day than ben one more day than Ben. So just so you know, you guys, <laughs> guys got each other's back. Is Dude. Josh is so damn competitive and holding <laughs> accountable that he's going one more day than Ben Newman. He he is unbelievable. It's Josh Kahneman, and he owns a construction company called K-Build. They build some of the most beautiful homes in St. Louis. They built this bookshelf behind me. I mean, they've just done so much work in our home. I mean, they're just incredible people. And it's been great to have Josh as this accountability partner. Literally every day we text each other. And here's what's funny about that story. So he planks. I mean, it, it's, it's nuts. When I met him, he was planking to every day that he lifts weights, he would plank for 20 straight minutes. 
I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like who planks for 20 straight minutes? And for him, it was the, the mental toughness. It was the push. It was staying uncomfortable. So when we started the unrequired, we made planks part of it. And so one of the things I've done plank challenges and things in the past. So I had told him one time, I'm like, I'm going to do more than 20 minutes one day. And so I just randomly did it. <laughs> I don't know. I think I went for like 20 minutes and 44 seconds to beat him. And my stuff always has to be 44s. It's kind of a quirky deal. <laughs> and literally he goes, I'll do more tomorrow. <laughs> literally the next day he sends me a screenshot of his phone. He went for 21 minutes. I'm like, dude, like you're just different. And so, but it's fun because that's, you got to find people that push you, right? It's not like, Hey man, I'm never going to get a call from Josh that says, man, should we just stop doing this? Like, I don't want to push anymore. It's like this kind of like, this is just what we do now. Yeah. And for those of you that, that are wondering, this isn't like one of those we've done, you know, the unrequired workout is 25 pushups. It's 10 exercises that takes about 45 to 50 minutes a day. So, I mean, th this has been, this has been a commitment and none of it is easy. It's all body weight stuff from, you know, 250 straight jumping jacks, 250 straight air squats, 10 minutes of planking wall sits. I mean, there's nowhere to run. Like you can't cheat a wall sit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so we've pushed ourselves, but like for everybody listening, I'm not saying you have to do our crazy workout, but you know, find a coach like Josh, find individuals that, that push you and challenge you and then accept the challenge. That's what life's all about. Like being complacent, you know, it shows up in other areas of your life. And it's going to cause you to limit your growth. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah, I want to bring that example up, A, because I don't know that I had shared it with you before, and B, because it's such a great example of pushing each other to be better. Two mm -hmm. high-level individuals in your circle that you surround yourself with means so much more than you know. All right, so a few weeks ago or, or a few episodes ago, I got to interview Jade Gordon, John Gordon's daughter, and her following in her father's footsteps. It's been really cool to see her come out of her shell a little bit and and I was just thinking about that, and you have two children that are the apple of your eye, and you're, you're paying homage to your mother on a daily basis, which is just incredibly interesting and, and inspiring all in and of itself. Um, I, I'm just curious, uh, and I've also seen uh, um, Grant Cardone's kids on stage and stuff of that nature with, with how high performing you are and how driving you are, and obviously I followed in my father's footsteps. Has there been an interest from your kids have they grown an interest in pursuing what you're doing? Obviously, I know they're doing sports and all that different stuff. And how do you interact with them coaching-wise? Because I've gotten this feedback from my wife at times, like, Josh, I'm not one of your mentees. I'm not one of your coaches. <laughs> no, so uh, do your kids, A, are they kind of looking at dad and saying, oh, that's something I could potentially do? Because they're getting older. They're older than my kids. And then also, how do they interact from dad versus coach and uh, mentor? So uh, a couple of things to unpack there. First off, I remember going to the, to the zoo party at an event in Milwaukee that you were also at way back in the day. I'm talking probably 2009 and Jade Gordon was her dad, John's guest. And we rode to the zoo party together. I mean, Jade was probably 13 years old, you know, 13 yeah, years 13, old. Somewhere yeah. I think she was probably 12, 12 or 13 years old. John actually, there's a, uh, one of the chapters in the book Uncommon leadership is about John. He led me to Christ. He's one of the greatest mentors in my life. He pushes and challenges me. So it's been interesting for me to say, I, I remember when Jade was a little kid coming with her dad, right? So she was there, he brought her. And so, you know, when you're in this type of a role, whether it be, 
you know, being on a sideline with me for a game. Now they can't be in the coach's box with me when we're, when we're cutting it up for 60 minutes, but you know, before the game or, you know, they get sideline passes to be able to do some of those things. You know, they hope that it's not just the enjoyment of the game. I hope they understand the sacrifice that went into it. And they remember the stories that dad tells where, Hey, dad didn't start at Alabama. You know, dad didn't start at Michigan state or Kansas state. Dad started for free with his old high school basketball team. And so you, you hope that your kids remember the lessons. They see the fight. They see the sacrifice. I will say, I think they pick up on my, uh, Air, my uh, Jordan shoe collection is probably the biggest thing they pick up on from me right now that they want to emulate me with. I, I tease, but it's become like, those are fun things, right? Like they love shoes. I love shoes. So, you know, so they're the fun things with the kids. Then there are the things like, what can you teach them? Uh, I, I will share this with you. And it's probably not a surprise to you having, having children for those that are parents, the motivation for sports comes from my wife for the kids. It doesn't come from me. And I don't know if they fight it because it's the work that I do, but it's kind of the point, like if those kids need to get locked in for a game, even though this is what I do for a living, I mean, Amy is the one who's locking them in. She's the one who's figured out here's how to communicate with the kids and here's what to say to Isaac and here's what to say to Kennedy. And I definitely jump in there, but she does an incredible job, which is fun. A lot of people, they might be surprised by that answer, but you know, Amy just loves those kids to death and she knows what to say to them and she knows the little nuances and it's been fun. You know, they get their motivation, you know, from her. I go to the games, I sit there and I just enjoy it. I just, I love watching my kids compete. As long as they're giving their best, that's what matters. I, I receive so much pressure from my father growing up and I wasn't even that great of an athlete. I mean, I took a couple of division three recruiting trips for basketball and told I was going to ride the bench. And I said, I'll go to Michigan state and watch them win a national championship. <laughs> so, you know, for me to receive that kind of pressure when I wasn't some star studded athlete, it just, it, even to this day, I mean, there's wounds from that. And so I always share with our kids, like they'll get some push. You know, I ask them the questions to give them some drive, but I, I tell my son all the time, like, if you came home and said you wanted to be in the band and quit basketball, fine, quit playing hoops. I don't care. I just want you to go all in in anything that you do in life. And then the, the last piece of that, I think it's the, you probably get this question as well, especially now the more speaking and coaching and events that you're throwing. You know, I think people think that like we come home and we're like, okay, before dinner, we're going to give it, I'm going to stand on the table and give a keynote tonight. <laughs> like, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't happen. All right, sit right? down. There's I no... got 45 minutes to pour into your kids. <laughs> everybody just hey we'll, we'll, we'll get to dinner in 45 minutes but look i got a brand new talk i want to rehearse it on you I mean, that, that, that doesn't happen you know and so i'm not i'm not a motivational speaker in my house and i i'll tell you what happens in my house you know i come home from a trip and this is one of the things i i adore about my wife i just love so much about her she, she's never said no to a trip and and you know us being friends and you've seen the journey from literally me wearing a suit and being an advisor every day to wearing this in a pair of Jordans and being on these sidelines and throwing events, you, you've seen it all. She's never said no. And, and there's so much sacrifice that she has made with the kids and to support. It, it, it's unbelievable. And so there's sacrifice that she's made, but also when I come home, she's the one who humbles me. She doesn't give a shit if I was talking to Nick Saban at practice in the afternoon. I come home and she says there's dog shit in the backyard that trash needs to go out. I mean, that, that's life. 
she's not she's not a huge football fan and so it's it's a careful balance because you can get absorbed in this type of a career and yeah. i do sometimes and 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 it's hard it's demanding but it's always great that she she pulls me back it takes a lot of reminding sometimes that what goes on in this house is most important yeah that's so good and then for those that don't know amy was no slouch herself high up at Anheuser bush and she can carry her own water very well. And, uh, and Ben, I've seen some videos, your daughter's a bucket. So, uh, it's, uh, that'll be fun to fun to see. Uh, but, but you're right. And I'll give you this example actually. And I'm, I'm glad you paid homage to, to Amy in this regard, because when I said, when I was facing a career transition and I told my wife, you know, I was facing potentially two year non-compete and all this different stuff. I was going through my head. What am I going to do? Well, I'm not going to sit around. Um, I looked at Jenna. I said, well, I want to still pour into people. I'm going to go into the leadership coaching and speaking and stuff. And she obviously, you know, having spent time with you and knowing you, she goes, I don't want you traveling all the time. I don't want you gone. And uh, she goes, uh, you know, we're two, our kids need you and I need you. And, and I said, okay. So I, I have set parameters around where I will speak, when I will speak, how many times I've gone. And one of the parameters that I gave her that I uh, will give to people, and I've written about this in some of my Facebook uh, posts and whatnot, is that if I choose to travel, that I come back a better person. So my time with you, with Ed, and all the people that are going to be there, that is justified travel because I'm returning home a better man. And so mm, that's so, that is so good. That is so good. Even just the level of awareness, like that's why I love our conversations is because that's like a, I call that a heightened sense of awareness, right? I'm going to remember that, right? So now when I go, it's like, okay, don't just go and coach a football game on Saturday. Don't just go and lock these guys in. Like you come back better. You come back with something. And that that's very powerful. And I think I, I get knowing you, you do, but to be heightened on that awareness, I think. Be aware of it. Yeah. Yeah. To take away from it. Yeah. So you, you've been so good. It seemed like from the outside looking in at making these pivots, like going from high level financial advisor to speaker, to coach, uh, to coach and financial advisors, then working your way into the elite of college and NFL. Um, and then now going a little bit outside your comfort zone, you were late to building a podcast and run a great podcast in Burn. Um, like, at least I thought, I was like, I thought Ben should have been doing that a while ago. And probably most people had told you that and you finally got it going. Um, has there been anything more challenging or, or that didn't come natural to you in all these different pivots that you've had to work on more than another? So, you know, I think a lot of times people see what we take on and they go, man, God, like Josh Cousins, that, that guy can handle so much. Unbelievable. And, and they see all the decisions that we've made, the action that we take, right? But to your point, it took one of my coaches, literally we were sitting in LA, I'll never forget it, his name is Drew Hanlon. He's one of the top NBA skills trainers in the world. And I, I love Drew, he's 10 years younger than me. You know, I coach him, he coaches me, we kind of share advice back and forth. And I remember we're sitting in LA, he was staying at a hotel in between coaching sessions. I had watched him train guys that afternoon. And he's like, dude, when are you gonna start your podcast? And what started coming out of me? I don't have time. I mean, excuse after he's like, stop with the excuses. Like enough. When are you starting it? And then I was like, well, when are you like, give me a date. And he goes, I'll give you one. You're starting next week. 
I'm like, well, who's the guest going to be? He goes, I don't care. It could be you. You're starting next week. What's it going to be about? I'm like, I don't know. What are you going to be known for? And I'm giving these dissertations. And he's like, dude, that's too long. Stop. Like, it's the burn. You've been talking about the burn. You've been talking about how everybody has a burn. And it's your burn that ignites why and purpose that causes you to become disciplined, especially on the days you don't want to do it. Your show's called The Burn Start Next Week. And Josh, that's what it took. It took that friend going, dude, you have more capacity. You have the time, just choose to make time. And so as much as you see, you know, the action that's taken, there are plenty of conversations I have with myself where I resist something. That's why I need coaches. Because as, as even though I can limit the conversations, limit the self-talk, I can do crazy workouts all these, you know, years in a row, there's still things that I fall short on. There's still things that I can be better at. There's still things that I want to improve on. And so I think for all of us, you know, you have to have those people who challenge you to keep yeah. locking in on that capacity. Yeah, that's so good. So I was thinking through um, the challenge there, the, the burn that you talk about, and I'm thinking about some of the guests that you've had on, because I, wa I watch and I listen, and you have some high-level athletes, high-level business people. Have there been any guests that you thought didn't get the intention or attention, I should say, that you think they deserve. Like I think about when you were in the mental toughness forum, can't remember who you had that day. It might've been yourself, John Gordon, some others, um, because you had a ton of speakers, but I texted you and I said, Rebecca Gregory. Oh, yes. I said, that was your best speaker today. I had never heard of her. She was a Boston marathon survivor, but I was like, dude, she killed it. So whether it's her in the mental toughness forum or any other guests that you've had on the burn that didn't get the attention that you thought they should because they weren't his name brand. That's a, that's such a great question. I, I think one is absolutely Rebecca Gregory. I mean, her story is just incredible. I mean, you all can just Google that episode of, of the burn, but it's Rebecca Gregory, Boston bombing survivor. And, you know, she was actually watching a friend compete that day and, you know, ends up protecting her son. I mean, it's an extraordinary story, but now, you know, she's an amputee and, and just how she's responded in life, her positivity. It's incredible who her and her husband, I mean, her Instagram is so entertaining. I mean, you talk about some of the things they do around the biggest piece of adversity she's ever faced. I mean, her body now being different forever. It, 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 she's extraordinary. The second one I would say is Vaughn Kohler. And, you know, Vaughn is the former co-host of the MFCEO project Master podcast with, with Andy Frisella. And, you know, it was a blessing for me being a St. Louisan and close with Andy. I got to be a co-host for, I don't know, 20 or 25 episodes. So it'd be Vaughn and Andy and I cutting up and having a good time. But when I had Vaughn on, we did it in our back in uh, our family's backyard. And I remember Vaughn said to me, he's like, man, like, it's okay to be spiritual. I mean, he's a former pastor. I'm like, absolutely. You can be spiritual. Like just, I want you to be you. And he is just such a wealth of knowledge when it comes to challenge and adversity. And everybody say a prayer for Vaughn. He's actually facing challenge and adversity now, but just a strong man of faith. And I just, I, I just, I love his authenticity. I love how he shows up in life. And that's a guy who's committed to wanting to, to pour into other people. He, he's an extraordinary human being. Yeah. And I just want to say on the podcast, your mental toughness forum, which is free. So anytime, and you plan to run it again next year? Yes. Yeah. It'll okay. be, uh, it'll be that first week of training camp again, first week of August. 
So Mental Toughness Forum, you guys got to get on this. It's free content Ben brings in. Not only He's not only speaking himself, he brings in some of the greatest speakers in the world, and he's running it for free. And so what I want to say about that, your podcast and the Mental Toughness Forum, the podcast we're doing today, there are some people that will never be able to afford having access to you or I. And that's one of the humbling things that I think about as I put out this podcast is they're, they're just won't, but they can be impacted by you or I for free by listening to these podcasts, by tuning into, tuning into the Mental Toughness Forum. Take advantage of those. And I, I, I say that humbly and knowing that uh, I want that word and our impact to continue to spread. So that's a reminder for everyone to share this episode as well. Um, and then furthermore, thinking about the legacy that you have, and I, I've thought about this often, is if, God forbid, anything happens to you or I, our voices for our kids are forever ingrained on these podcasts. The speeches that are recorded by you are forever ingrained for your kids to understand who their dad was. So as people think about that, if you think about starting your own podcast out there, uh, if it's nothing more than you talk to one person, one person listens to you, and uh, then you have those recordings forever for your kid, I would recommend doing a podcast. You don't need an expensive setup like Ben or I have. Record it. Put your word out there. You will impact people. So uh, obviously, you can see my eyes just got a little bit wet when uh, when you gave that example. I um, and you know I'm an emotional dude. I can't tell you how many times people have said to me because my mom had a journal which is in the safe, and uh, you know. In my mom's journal, she would write, beat the statistics, beat the odds, live with a disease that is chronic and fatal, believe in yourself, combat anything, purpose in life, like all these life lessons. Josh, the number of times that people have said to me, like, do you journal like that? And I don't. And I've, I've never really had the answer for like, what is my journal? And I've said my books, but at the end of the day, it's really, to me, it, it, that never hit my heart, the books. But the way you just said that, you know, for my kids to... To be able to hop on and see my energy, right? To to see our interaction, to hear my voice, to see how I use my hands when I speak. And, you know, that's what my mom used to do. And that's one of the memories I have. And, you know, so God forbid something happens to me. My kids are like, oh my gosh, I remember dad used to talk with his hands. Look at these videos. It's thank you for that. Cause I that's that's now gonna be my answer. It's it's my work, it's it's what you put on film. Um so thank you. That is, it, it, it's really powerful. I just, for some reason, I, you know, books is a powerful thing, but I never emotionally deeply connected to it. But, you know, for my yeah. kids to be able to look up my crazy ass in a locker room with a vein <laughs> popping out of my neck or to see an interview like this, it's, they get to understand who dad was. Yeah. Well, uh, well, not to that point, I think about actually one of the last questions I was going to ask you was the first speech I think I saw you give was on the big stage at uh, the former company that you and I used to work at. Um, and you're either holding your son or daughter. My, my son, my daughter wasn't even alive. Yeah, you're holding your son. And that's the first, I think it's the first video you posted to YouTube. So if you think about what we just talked about there, it's like, they will forever have like, so the internet is forever. So remember that for all the bad things people try to say on the internet, or if you're gonna go and say a bad thing on the internet, it's forever. But all the good things that you're doing and have done and I'm doing right now, like that's forever too. That's the legacy. So I do remember that speech. It was, it was amazing. Um, Thank you. 
that was one of your first ones and and to be able yeah. to experience that with your son uh and now to see the the amount of impact that you've had since then so as we're wrapping up here can i can i, I just have, mention something yeah. real quick you know at, at the time of that speech I had a website and you would have thought I was this professional speaker, but <laughs> you and I both know, cause you know, all the backstory. I had never been hired outside of the company that I worked for to ever speak yet. I believed like I had this website and I would give a free talk for a charity and I would list them as a client and I'd give a free talk for this company and I'd list them as a client. And I, I believe that one day I could be doing these things. And I think one of the things we see in life today is like people have no patience. They want everything right now. Yeah. And I'm, I, I'm not a very patient person, but I always encourage people have aggressive patience, know that you will get your opportunity if you work for your opportunity, but you have to aggressively pursue it by identifying the process and attacking that process. So all I ever did was just keep working hard at it, knowing that those free talks one day would be talks that pay and, you know, you could build a career around it and, and most importantly, have such a huge impact with it. Yeah, we always taught uh, in that career being pleasantly persistent with follow-up, right? So that's good and great advice that you're giving to anyone there is being pleasantly persistent with your goals and dreams. Yeah, because you know that there's people listening right now where they're frustrated. Why isn't this going faster? Why is it? It's going at the exact speed that it's supposed to, mm-hmm. unless you're not applying the right discipline. So if you want it to go faster, take a look at your discipline. Are you actually working hard enough when you're honest with yourself, when you look in the mirror? If you're not, apply some more discipline to your daily action, then watch it ramp up, but it's still going to take time to build things to the way that you see your dreams in your mind's eye. Yeah. 100. Uh, so as we're wrapping up here, you have, uh, you've been in this industry for about 15 years now, which is crazy to think about, right? Cause you spent that time in the financial advisory world and now <clears throat> 15 years in speaking and coaching and impacting many lives, especially the last couple of years. How have you seen the industry change and uh, where do you see it going as, as we see flood, seemingly floods of life coaches enter the world uh, with no uh, real world experience in business and life that uh, are getting into it perhaps even for the wrong reasons or think that that's their calling when they have no real success experience themselves. And maybe that's a different topic. I just, you have so much experience now on this. Where do you see it going as a coach and as a speaker especially as COVID is now hopefully fully in the rear view. Well, you know, you bring up an interesting question and what you touched on is really where my thoughts go is that, you know, and it kind of ties into what I just shared. Um, I, I don't want this to come off too negative for people, but if you haven't done what you know you need to do to really coach somebody, then you really need to pull back and you need to build your story before you become a coach. Everybody's a coach. Everybody's a speaker. Everybody's an author. And for people to think that we don't, like, you could become an author on Amazon in three days. You could literally take a manuscript, put it up, and your book's available on Amazon. So anybody can become an author. And I'm not saying don't, don't publish a book through Amazon. But my point is, like, if you want to be an author, take your time and actually write a book. Don't just throw something together, put it out to say you're an author. If you want to be a coach, like, what are you going to coach on? What is your experience? What's the challenge? What's the adversity? What are the lessons that you're actually going to teach? Don't just say, I'm going to be a coach. And then you're going to whip it together and, you know, steal this from Josh and steal this from Andy and steal this from Ed. And, and so I just think for everybody, it kind of goes back to do things for the right reasons. Cause if you don't, that career is not going to last very long. 
So if you're coming, if you're, if you're fleeing from a career because you lack the habits and discipline, you can go become a coach, but if you don't have the right disciplines for the right reasons, you probably won't be a coach very long either. And so I say that with passion and love and care for an industry that, yes, I've been doing this over 15 years and it means that much to me. I want you to be successful as a coach. I'm not, there's plenty of business to go. There's plenty of business to go around. I want you to hire Josh to be your coach if, if he's not yet. Right. And I'm a coach. There's plenty to go around, but people have to do things for the right reasons, man. It's it just yeah. people trying to cut corners in the society that we live in and media. It, 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 we could, we could definitely do a second episode, but I just, I, I want people to put in the work that it takes to do the work that they're destined to do. And it was such, such good advice. And remember the responsibility that you have, you are leading people and impacting people. If you don't have the experience, if you don't have the know-how and you're feeding them bullshit, they're going to listen to you. And they're going to take that bullshit advice and apply it to their life. And it could potentially really harm themselves, their marriage, their relationships with their kids, their employees, whatever it might be. It is a big responsibility. Do not take it lightly. So I, I wholeheartedly second your advice there. So, man, we went through a lot today. So good. So good always to chop it up with you and catch up. Uh, for everyone that was listening, if you did hear a rooster crowing in the background, it was real. My root, one of my roosters won't shut up today. Uh, so I, I, I it think it's awesome. awesome. It, it, it's real. It's a testament to what you've built and the vision that you had to be sitting where you're sitting right now, a place where you can host amazing events for leaders and coaches and financial advisors. Like, man, you're, you're living your vision and it's awesome to see. So don't apologize for the roosters, man. Next time, bring them into the episode. Let them say hello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would, if they get on the mic, they probably really wouldn't shut up and <laughs> would be annoyed, but I appreciate that brother. That's awesome. So everybody, man, Ben just brought the heat today. So please share this show. Uh, please follow uh, Ben. Where are all those places that they can follow you and should follow you? At, at Continued Fight is probably the easiest, and that's actually me. You know, occasionally the videos that are produced by our incredible team, uh, Legacy Media, a company that I actually formed with. And, and here's an another quick story. A uh, young man named Tyler Kirk six years ago films me an event in Indianapolis, shows up to pick me up. He's filming me the whole day, makes a video for me, you know, act of courage. Here's three minutes. Thought the day was great. He had, we end up working together. Here we are six years later, we've worked together and now he's formed a company called Legacy Media. So all the videos you see, that's Tyler. He's amazing. So hold but on, the he showed up? He just showed up and took video of you and then pitched you? Yeah, so, well, uh, the guy who hired me to speak, you know, brought him in, but didn't pay him. Like, they had a relationship, and the kid's like, I'd love to film that. Can I film that? So he literally did it for free that day, and then he literally puts together this highlight tape to, like, be courageous to, like, say, like, hey, man, this is the work that I do. And I'm telling you, like, all the hype videos that I do for Alabama, Michigan State, Kansas State, the work that I do that nobody ever gets to see. Like, there's some secret sauce that I do with these teams and these athletes that the world will never see because it's, it's part of my secret sauce, my work. Tyler does all of it. So to think, like, this kid had the courage by sending a three-minute video. So this final lesson, take action. Now speed forward, we've worked together for six years. He produces all of our content. He's built a team that produces content for other companies. We now have formed legacy media and it's him. It, it, 
and it was his courage to send a video. So the videos Shout and that type Tyler. of content, that's always Tyler, but the regular post you're, you're getting me. I mean, it's me on there. That's active on the platform because I think that's the way it should be. Good. Absolutely. And I know it's Ben. Uh, I know Ben's words. He's very repetitive in his, his teachings because repetition is the mother of learning and Ben will drill it home for you. So please follow him at, a, at continued fight. Until next time, remember that good and great are the enemies of possible. Lead like a Spartan today.